Good morning. Real joy to be with you and uh, to renew friendship with John and uh, Dawn. Um, I'd like to uh, just say right at the start that um, it was me that asked for John's permission to speak on what I'm going to speak on this morning. It wasn't John that asked me to speak on this subject, just in case you kind of wonder at all. Um, it's a, uh, a subject that I'm sort of very much carrying at the moment, uh, having not spoken on it for, for many, many years. The subject being giving and receiving. Giving and receiving. And I know that this church and ministry and what I've known of John and Dawn over the years is they and you are a very generous uh, people, and I think we've just heard something of that in um, what, uh, what's been shared. So uh, I'm just saying that to say so that you know that this is not a setup in any way this morning, uh, but this is something that uh, I'm carrying at the moment uh, in various places in the body of Christ where I'm ministering, and I hope that it will be a blessing to you. Now, Paul. Uh, quoted Jesus as saying in Acts 20.35 that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And of course, that is true. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. But actually, it is a blessing to give and it is a blessing to receive, right? I was in a uh, church a few months ago where the minister... Um, decided he was going to do a little talk for the children, rather like John did this morning, about giving and receiving. Um, But he made a fatal mistake. You know they say never work with children or animals. So he started his talk off by saying, now, children, is it more blessed to give or to receive? And he said, let's have a vote on it. And the children kind of thought, and then they voted, And it was a 50-50 split. 50-50 split, okay? He then gave his little talk, which, of course, was all geared to educating the children that it is far more blessed to give than it is to receive. And at the end of his talk, he dug himself in an even deeper hole. He said, let's have a revote. How many of you now think it's more blessed to give than it is to receive? And I can see by your faces some of you are ahead of me. Yes, this time the vote went in the direction that it's more blessed to receive than to give. And uh, uh, I I, I did feel sorry for for him afterwards and I ragged him. I said, never work with children or animals. Um, My experience as a pastor over the years has been... Trying to do something with children has always seems to have got me into trouble. But it is a blessing to give, and it is a blessing to receive. And we're going to talk a little bit about those two principles this morning. Now, um, I realize going somewhere um, where you're not very well known, uh, there can't be much more of a risky subject, in a sense, than to talk about giving, to talk about money. Um, Because money is one of those things... Um, both in the church and out of the church that we know can very quickly get, you know, the the juices of passion and opinion going. And even amongst Christians, we have some very different views, don't we, about, for example, money, our resources, etc. So at one end of the spectrum, we have people who would say, well, of course, to be spiritual um, really means kind of giving up everything and following after Jesus. And we would have perhaps an example of people who become uh, nuns, who go and live in a community type of life. They have nothing of their own. They live a very basic, poor sort of life. And there are some who would say, you know, that's a very Christian, godly approach to things. And then at the other end of the spectrum in the Christian world, we have people who would say, well, you know, we're king's kids and God loves us and he wants to bless us. And when I was flying home in my private jet last week, the Lord said to me, you know, and living in uh, uh, incredible prosperity. Now, 
um, which one is right and which one is wrong. Well, I would suggest to you that probably both are right and neither are necessarily wrong. Clearly, some are called to one way of life. Others are called to another way of life. But perhaps the majority of us are actually called to live somewhere, kind of a balanced position somewhere in the middle of all of that. Let's think about a couple of biblical examples. So, in Luke chapter 18, verses 19 to 23, we have the rich young ruler asking Jesus, what must I do to be perfect? Okay? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, And he said, all these things I've kept from my youth. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful, for he was very rich. So Jesus was saying to this young man, if you want to follow me, Um, if you want to be a good disciple, go and sell everything and give everything away. So is is that the message that to be a disciple of Christ, we should all be living in a community, owning nothing, et cetera, et cetera? Well, Um, It's been wisely said over the years, never build a doctrine on one text, but on the whole of Scripture and Scripture in context. I would suggest that what Jesus is trying to get at here is the principle of making Jesus Lord of everything in our lives. Seeing ourselves as more a caretaker of our bank account, our home, our possessions, rather than the owners of those things. Um, I will never, never forget the first time uh, that I was really challenged on this. I was a young man. I'd left school at the age of 15, having failed an exam to see if I could take any exams. That's pretty desperate. And I had started work as a gardener. Now, this is, you'll appreciate, I was 15 just a few years ago. Okay? I'm wearing as well as John, aren't I? And... I was earning just over five pounds a week. I'd come from a family. My mother had seven children. My father was away in the military most of my my life. And so we weren't particularly a wealthy family by any means. And so having started work, I was very excited. After a little while, I had saved up 100 pounds. Now, you know... That doesn't sound much perhaps these days, but back a few years ago, um, earning five pounds something a week, believe you me, you know, I'd never seen a hundred pounds, I'd certainly never had a hundred pounds, and here it was I had a hundred pounds. Now I'd also recently become a Christian. And I'd gone along to a meeting one night where a missionary was speaking. And at the end of his talk, the leader of the church said, we are now going to take an offering in support of the missionary's work. And I'd like you all to pray and ask the Lord what it'd have you to give, okay? Now, for some incredible reason, because I had never had £100, so I'd certainly never written a cheque for £100, for some reason I'd taken my chequebook with me that night to that meeting. And so, young Christian, only being a Christian a matter of months, uh, with everybody else, I'm saying, God, what do you want me to give in this offering? And I feel like I hear this voice that says, give your hundred pounds. Now, I'd been a Christian just about long enough to have heard that apparently there was a devil. (laughs) And that the devil tried to talk to you. And so my immediate thought was, give away a hundred pounds. That's got to be that devil telling me to do that. And I was, I'd heard that you had to rebuke him and tell him to go. So I started rebuking the devil, saying, devil, get out, and then, Lord, what do you want me to give? And again, I feel like I'm hearing this voice that says 100 pounds. Now, I've also heard 
that there's this thing called the flesh. And you talk to yourself, you know, and you've got to rebuke the flesh and, and self as well. So I start rebuking self now and the flesh. Um, you know, self, get out, get out, Lord, what do you want me to give? And the pressure is mounting because the offering bucket's heading in my direction. I'm beginning to break into a sweat because I'm thinking, 100 pounds. God wants me to give this 100 pounds. And part of me is thinking, yeah, yeah, oh, I'd really like to give this 100 pounds. And another part of me is saying, you nutcase. Don't do it. Do you you know how long it's taken you to save that money? Do do you know, think of all the things you were going to do with that 100 pounds. Offering's getting closer. I pull out my checkbook and I write this check, probably handshaking, I think, for 100 pounds. Offering is now in front of me. And I'm, I know you're all far more spiritual than me, but, you know, I'm thinking, shall I or shan't I? Do I or don't I? You know, and I put it in and part of me is going, yes! And as I watch the offering bucket disappear down the aisle, another part of me is thinking, is it too late to go and get it back? <laughs> and I, I have to stand here and confess and say, you know, that... that That type of thing has been my experience many more times than once over my years as a believer. And I suspect some of you have found a similar sort of thing. Well, yes, I parted with my £100, and at the time it seemed a very, 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 very big deal to me. But you know what? I I look back today, many years later, and I realise that that £100 in many ways was quite insignificant. Because the importance of that moment was that it was my first time as a young Christian of saying, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my resources. Now, I've had many challenges since then on the journey, and it, you know, it is an ever-ongoing challenge. But, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my resources. I tell you that that, that's a great place to live. To see yourself more as a caretaker of those things that the Lord blesses you with. You know, when we think about living a very sort of basic life or a very sort of prosperous life, it's an interesting question, which is actually the easiest to be a Christian and do. Um, And in many ways, I suspect I've never been in the position of being a multi-millionaire, but I actually suspect that having great resources can be a much bigger challenge to live out as a Christian and how you manage and how you share those resources than if we have very little to manage. So being a disciple of Jesus does have this privilege of saying, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my resources. Help me to be a good steward um, to give what you want, when you want, where you want, etc. In my tithes and offerings to, to be generous um, and giving of my time and talents and abilities, uh, etc. It's not just about our money, but about every part of our life. I was on holiday somewhere just recently for a couple of weeks and um, at the end uh, uh, went along to a local church uh, the first week, and um, after, the, uh, uh, after the service, the, the, the leader said to me, oh, Simon, you know, really nice to see you here. How long are you around? I said, oh, we're around for a couple of weeks. And he said, oh, wow, great. Would you like to preach next week? And I'm thinking to myself, no, I wouldn't actually. You know, that would be a bit of a busman's holiday. Um, and then I'm thinking, well, actually... Lord, if you've given me even half a talent, I want to share that talent. I want to invest that talent. And it was my privilege to to speak that following week. So it's not just about our money. It's about our talents. It's about our time. It's about every part of our life, our homes, our cars, etc. Lord, how can I um, share? How can I be used to be a blessing um, in the advancement of your kingdom? So living that sacrificial life, being willing, you know, is the Lord calling you at the moment to give something of your time, of your talents, uh, etc., that you're not yet 
giving and investing. But then equally, um, it's a blessing to give and it's a blessing to receive, isn't it? Yes, Christmas is coming and we do like to be blessed with gifts. And in Luke chapter 6, verses 37 to 38, um, we read, Do not judge. Judge not and you shall not be judged. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. God does love us. If there's anybody here who's recently become a Christian and you're still sort of in that, does he or doesn't he really love me? Um, We would want to say this morning, yes, you have a heavenly father who really does love you, a heavenly father who is wealthy and a heavenly father who delights to bless his children. And it talks here about if you give, it will be given onto you. The measure that you use to give is what will be used um, in measuring back to us. I like to put it, if we're tight when it comes to giving then you know, and closed, then we're also closed when it comes to being able to receive. Um, the Lord loves to bless his children. It's not money or possessions that are evil, Jesus said, it's the love of money that is the root of all evil. It's our attitude to it. So it's not wrong to be blessed. Indeed, um, I believe we should be praying that uh, God will save people, touch people from every walk of life and add them into the church. Uh, From very poor backgrounds to people who are extremely wealthy. Amen? I don't know if there's any millionaires or multi-millionaires in this church, in this congregation this morning, but if not, please, Lord, send some. Amen? You know, send some, Lord. We want to see people touched and added into your kingdom from every position of life. Um, so the Lord wants to bless us. He wants to provide for us. And um, how does he do that? Well, I would suggest there are three ways that the Lord can bless us and provide for us. Number one is through our hard work. You know, being those um, who labor diligently, as the scripture says. Expecting God to bless us in our work context. And if we find ourselves unemployed, then um, becoming full employed, as it were, in looking for work and giving of our time and our energy in a voluntary basis. Um, It's been said the Lord can steer a moving ship. Um, And uh, if our hearts are to serve and to give, then he's able to provide for us even when we're, uh, if we're in a difficult position of being unemployed for a period of time. And uh, the Lord can miraculously provide jobs as well. Maybe there are people here, here this morning who are in that position, struggling with unemployment. Um, busy yourself with serving and busy yourself with looking for work and just see how God can and will supernaturally provide. So through our hard work, expecting the Lord to bless us in our work environment is one way that he can provide for us. Secondly, through wise investments. Uh, I don't know about you, I look back over my years and I think, well, I've made some wise investments and I've made some dumb investments. Lord, help me, you know, give me wisdom to make wise investments. I remember our uh, very first home, Julie and I, it's a little cottage that was pretty run down and we bought it for seven and a half thousand pounds. Well, that was a while ago, wasn't it? Seven and a half thousand pounds. We lived there for about 10 years, we worked hard, we renovated the place, we built some extensions on it, and then we sold it about 10 years later for about 73,000 pounds. That was a good investment. Lord, help us to make good investments, you know, wise decisions, and then to invest wisely into the things that, uh, that he entrusts to us. And then thirdly, the supernatural provision. You remember the time when Jesus said to his followers, followers 
uh, go down, find the fish that will have a coin in its mouth in order for us to pay the taxes. Hey, that's a cool way of paying your tax, isn't it? I mean, I'm a bit of a fisherman, and uh, uh, I'm still trying, but I haven't managed to pull a cod yet. That You know, oh, this is a good one. It's got a 50-pound note in its throat. Whoa. Um, but Jesus demonstrated how provision can be incredibly supernatural, just the impossible. Isn't that great? And this is part, you know, of the great hope of the gospel, isn't it? To those who are devastated, who have nothing. The message that we have is that there is a God of hope who can bring the incredible out of absolutely nothing. Hallelujah. That is what the good news is all about. And I'll never forget the first time Julie and I uh, encountered this, uh, again, many years ago, and... um, we, uh, we'd been married just a couple of years, and uh, we'd, we'd just had our first little child. And I was working as a traveling uh, youth evangelist in those days. They used to call me Britain's youngest evangelist. And then it got uh, a young evangelist, and then it got still a young evangelist, and then they kind of lost the young bit somewhere on roots, you know. It happens. Um, anyway, I was we were kind of not receiving any salary or support from anywhere. We were just sort of trusting God for our provision. And um, uh, one thing that that Julia was desperate for um, was a washing machine. I mean, this was back in the days, our first little baby, this was back in the days when you had to wash nappies. Okay? I know some of you younger people here don't know what I'm talking about. You know, it's like some of us don't know what a pen is, do we, these days? Um, which end of this thing do you use, you know? Um, well, we, we were, Julia especially was desperate for a washing machine for these lovely nappies. And we went one night to a young people's group um, to, uh, to speak, and uh, we were just about to leave when the youth leader grabbed us and said, hey, uh, we're just so excited that you've got your first baby. And uh, we were praying for you, uh, and we just felt the Lord wanted us to have a little whip round the youth group for you a couple of weeks ago, and we did. And we felt the Lord told us to buy you a washing machine. Would that be okay? Well, I'll tell you, Julia pretty well cried all the way home in the car that night. You know, it might seem such a, you know, such a simple, mundane, practical thing, but when you're into nappies full of that stuff, you know, a washing machine is a blessing. And uh, she was just so thrilled. And we just realized, Lord, you can supernaturally provide. You can put it on somebody's heart, somewhere, somehow, to release provision into our lives. And so, you know, if you're here and in need this morning, we have a God who can provide supernaturally as well as through our hard work and through wise investments. Isn't he a good God? He loves us. And I'm sure we could share story after story after story here of how we've been blessed in our work, blessed in investments, and blessed through supernatural provision. It's um, a godly principle to live a giving life, not throwing resources around or away, but equally not being mean, and being able to share what we've got, but also being able to enjoy what we've got and what God blesses us with. We need to walk, if we're going to enjoy the Lord's blessing, in honesty and integrity um, in our handling of our resources. I'm grateful for a, a Christian brother who's in his 90s now, a godly man, who, when I was a very young man, I remember him saying to me, he'd worked in the city most of his life, a successful businessman, and I remember him saying to me one day, Simon, make sure you pay the tax man every penny you should. And then, kind of with a sort of smile on his face, he said, and Simon, 
make sure you don't pay the tax man one penny more than you should. <laughs> and uh, Charles was a very wise, godly steward with the resources that the Lord had entrusted to him. A great example. Lord, help us to walk in honesty and integrity, but also in wisdom, not um, frittering and throwing away those resources that you bless us with. There's a great passage that I'm sure many of you are familiar with, and we can't talk about this subject without at least referring to it in the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 3, where it addresses a nation who it's said have been robbing God. They haven't been giving to the Lord as they could and should have. And in Malachi 3, verse 8, we read this, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say, In what have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You're cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. So it talks there about a people who are robbing God. And one of the reasons over the years um, I've felt compelled from time to time as a pastor and and as a minister to talk to God's people about this subject that we're talking about this morning is because I've realized that um, God does want us to live in his blessing. And if we don't talk about the principle of living a giving life, we're actually robbing people from the blessing that comes through giving. Both the joy of giving, and the fact that as you give, it will be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Now, I I, I don't know about you, I may be on slightly dangerous territory here, but um, it makes me just a little bit nervous, um, the sort of teaching that says, well, if you need 500 quid, give away 50. Are you with me? Now, I, I believe in sowing and reaping. I believe in this truth that you can't outgive God, but it just makes me a bit twitchy about motives and attitudes when we get into the syndrome of, you know, you need 500 quid, put 50 in the offering. Okay? But what I do have to stand here and say is that I have found, like so many others, you can't outgive God. The measure that you use to give will be used to measure back to you again. However, I've also found this, that sometimes when we give in one arena of our life, what we reap is in completely a different arena. Yeah? And so, um, if the Lord says to me, give X amount of money away, does that mean I'm going to get, you know, a hundredfold return on that amount of money? No, it might mean that I'm blessed with another grandson. And that then costs me money. (laughs) I've got seven of them. (laughs) Absolute delight, and they're costing me a fortune, you know? You understand what I'm saying? That we may sow here, but actually we can reap in a completely different arena of our life. There is a godly principle there, but we don't do the giving in order to get. We do the giving because God is a giving God who wants to bless. He's a father, you know, with a big heart. And as we catch that, then that's how we find we want to live as well. But as we do so, we are blessed. So it talks here about a people who have not been giving as they could have and should have, and as a result, they've come under a curse. And I've been a pastor enough years to know, you know, um, to pray with many dear people who have come and said, you know, Pastor, will you pray for me? I feel like my life is under a curse. It doesn't matter how much money I get. I've never got any money. It doesn't matter, you know, what I get. I still seem to end up in debt. My life seems like a bucket with no bottom to it. Things just go straight through, 
you know? And there are probably some of you here this morning who feel like that. And there is this thing called a curse. You know, we can be living under a curse. It talks here about a nation that is cursed because it's not been honoring God with the first fruits. And so this principle of giving and receiving is really, really important. Um, Our giving to the Lord. When I pray in a few minutes' time as we end this message, I'd really especially like to pray just for any who say, you know, Simon, I, I, I am, whether it's a new thing or something that's been going on many years, we are really struggling with our resources uh, and it feels like there's a curse. Let, will you pray that that will be broken over my life? Hallelujah. Jesus came to set us free from the curse of poverty, as it were, of death and destruction. The good news is indeed good news. But as I prayed with people over the years, um, uh, I felt that it's only honest and in integrity with people, not only to pray with them, but to ask the question. Okay, we're going to pray that any curse will be broken But can I ask you the question that this passage in Malachi asks? And that is, are you robbing God? Or are you honoring God and giving to him of your life, your resources, as you should? Because if you're withholding, then you're also stopping yourself from being able to receive blessing. Now, very quickly, um, let me just tackle three questions that I find always arise uh, as Christians, when we talk about this subject, and that is this: we talk about tithing. Is tithing a fixed percentage or something that we do as we are led? Second question: do, Is tithing pre-tax or after-tax? And thirdly, do we tithe to a local church and ministry, or whenever and wherever, whatever we feel we should? Now again. Um, I realize I may be on uh, delicate ground in talking about these three principles, and I'll keep looking at John, and as long as he's smiling at me, then I'll know that I'm okay. Um, He can stand up and correct me next week. So come for part two next week, all right? Is tithing a 10% of our income? Well... There's a strong biblical argument to suggest that, yes, tithing should be a 10% amount of what we receive. Ah, but some would say, that is Old Testament law. Well, yes, it is Old Testament law, okay, and, but Jesus came to do away with Old Testament law. I'm no longer under law. I'm under grace. Therefore, I don't need to give 10%. It is as I am led to do so. Interesting argument. Okay. So does that mean then, if I'm no longer under law, that uh, if John starts to really annoy me over lunch today, um, I can murder him? Because, you know, he's really annoying me. So I'll murder him. No, the, the commandment is still there, thou shalt not murder. But actually, Jesus called me to something even higher than thou shalt not murder. And that was, if you even get angry with your brother without a cause, you are guilty of sin. Wow. And so I would suggest to you that the question of 10% is, in a sense, actually an irrelevant question, um, in the sense that, really, it's about a heart attitude that Jesus takes us to something that is beyond, well, I've given my 10%, I'm a good Christian now. But actually, it's like a man I met once who said to me, he said, Simon, my goal in life, um, he was a businessman, but he said, my goal in life is to get to the place where I can be giving away regularly 90% of my income. I thought that's a great goal to have in life, you know? That is not about how little can I give, but catching Father's heart is about, Lord, I, I want to be able to give, you know, way above and beyond. 
Even, you know, for, for many of us, the thought of giving 10% of my income to, to, to the work of God, wow, that's scary, you know. And I've had people come to me over the years and say, Pastor Simon, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in debt, but I've just heard this truth about giving, and, and I'd like to start giving. I'd like to even start giving 10%, um, but um, uh, I'm, I'm in debt, and uh, I don't know what to do. And, uh, you know, I've always said to people, welcome back, little ones. Our little blessings that cost us a lot. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> it, it, it's a very real question, isn't it? You know, if you're in debt, if you're struggling, do you give? Do you give that 10% or whatever amount? Um, and uh, I've always said to people, look, You've got to do what you have faith in your heart for. And if you've got faith to start giving, you know, it's like going to the doctors and you're on serious medication and then you come and get prayed for to get healed, do you stop taking your serious medication? Well, I don't think that's actually something the doctor or your pastor or anybody else can answer for you. Ultimately, you know, you you can listen to their views and opinions and wisdom, but ultimately you've got to make your own decision about what God is saying to you and what you have faith for in your heart. And I think it's the same about this issue of giving. Um, You know, that if we're in a place of difficulty with our resources... To start giving X amount could just put us into even more trouble. But if in our hearts we have faith, this is what God is saying to us. Uh, I've seen again and again over the years how people have taken that step, sometimes from nothing to giving 10% of their income, and God has miraculously blessed them and met them. But you know, other people have said, and and I've encouraged them, I've said, look, if you've got faith to start giving one pound a week, start giving one pound a week. You know, start where you have honestly got faith, but start and be faithful and be diligent and see how God will begin to move and see how that will grow and develop as time goes by. Very quickly, because the children are back, which means my time is gone. Is our giving pre-tax or post-tax? Well, there's an interesting question. Uh, I guess we have to ask, first of all, the simple question, well, who do you want to put first, God or the tax man? Um, That's a simple way of putting it, isn't it? And uh, again, I would suggest that it's first and foremost about an attitude of the heart that, Lord, I want to put you first um, in all that I do And in all that I'm blessed with, I want to honor you first out of that. But we live in a very complicated world. Uh, We have people self-employed, running businesses, and all sorts of different systems. And so how you work that out in some of those situations can be complex uh, and has got to be uh, looked at carefully. But the, the key, I believe, is that attitude of heart, Lord, I want to honor you and put you first. And then my third question, um, is our giving into the local church, the Malachi passage we read, referred to the spiritual storehouse? And I believe that um, that's where the majority of our certainly regular giving should be going, into the place where we're cared for, nurtured, fed, and where we're investing into the mission and vision of that work. Isn't it great I speak not as a, a, as a member of somebody coming in this morning, but as a joy, it really is a joy, believe you me, to come into a congregation, to come into a church that I know has got a big heart, that has invested into the nations over the years, that has given away generously, I'm sure way, 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 way beyond 10% you know, of, of what the church has got. It really, it's great to be kingdom people, isn't it? You know, giving not only of our tithes, but of our offerings as well. Sowing into the vision and mission of the church. To be in a church where you believe in and buy in the mission of the vision of the church is really important. Um, And so, uh, again, like with the um, pre-tax thing, we live in a complicated world. Sometimes there are people... 
who aren't part of a local church, who live in a part of the world where there isn't a local church, who um, their resourcing spiritually comes from all sorts of other arenas, and so their spiritual storehouse may not be just one local church, as it were. But certainly, the biblical pattern would appear to be that priority of our our regular giving goes into the spiritual storehouse that we're part of. It's good to be wise stewards. Um, I'm sure the church here has an efficient system um, of uh, giving by uh, uh, gift aid. Uh, Isn't it great that the, the government likes to bless, you know, the work of the kingdom, as well as other charities, uh, with that 25%, I think it is, on our giving that uh, charities are able to claim back, and that you know adds significantly. And so, if we are giving, then it's good to be uh, wise stewards uh, if we're taxpayers and to gift aid our giving, etc. Um, like it's helpful to, if we can, give by standing order so that uh, a, a charity, a church, whatever, can help uh, have some idea of what its budget is going to be and be good, wise uh, managers of the resources that they've got. So it's a blessing to give, and it's a blessing to receive. Some of us are sometimes better at giving than we are at receiving. You know, it's, oh, no, 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 no. Um, but do you know what is actually, I was saying to somebody just this last week or so who's in great personal need at the moment, and I said to this person, you know what? Let people love you. People want to love you. People want to help you. Don't feel that you're imposing on them, that you're infringing on them. Don't rob those people of the blessing of being able to love you and bless you. And so, you know, to those of us that perhaps we find it easier to give than to receive, can I just encourage you at the end of this talk to be willing to be a receiver as well as a giver, yeah? To be willing to be a receiver as well as a giver. To be encouraged, to be loved, to be blessed with things. Um, Because that is not only a blessing to you, but it is also a blessing then to the person that is giving. And this morning, we have a heavenly Father who loves us. Thank you, Father. And he wants to bless you. Maybe you're here this morning. I I, I don't know what the need is in your life. It may not be to do with money. It may be to do with another aspect of your life. You have a Father who loves you and wants to bless you and wants to meet your needs. So let me conclude this message with two final questions, and they're very simple. Number one, does God want me to give something that I'm not yet giving? Does God want me to give something that I'm not yet giving? Is there some realm of um, sacrificial investment of your time, your life, your resources that the Lord's wanting you to give? And number two, question Does God want me to receive something that I'm not yet receiving? Lord, is there something that you're actually wanting me to open my heart, open my life, and to receive your blessing and your goodness into? To be willing to open up and receive what God and others may want to bless you with. Somewhere I shared this message just recently. Um... One of the leaders of the church said to me after the message, he said, well, Simon, um, that's one of those messages that at least we'll be able to measure whether it worked or not. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, we'll see what happens to the giving in the church. Little did I know, a lady came to me after that service and said, can I talk to you privately? I said, yes. We sat down and she said, I'm a wealthy lady and I've recently had a wealthy relative die, uh, leave me a lot more money and I want to give a substantial amount of money to the church but 
there was a complication involved in that, and she wanted some advice on kind of what to do with that, and hopefully by God's grace I was able to help her find a path of wisdom with that. And uh, so I was delighted about two or three weeks later when I got an email from that same leader of that church saying, Simon, um, thank you for your visit, thank you for your message. We had an extra £5,000 one-off gift in the offering last week. Hallelujah. You know, um, the message bore some good positive fruit. Somebody had been stirred to give something, you know, that they weren't sure whether they should or shouldn't, etc. So, you know, is the Lord calling you to do something that you're not yet doing? Is he calling you to receive something that you're not yet receiving? And that whole thing of the sort of spiritual curse, you know, being broken. If there are those here this morning, as I, as I finish now, that would say, you know, Simon, you're, you're talking about me. I feel like our resources always just vanish. Then it would be great to be able to pray and just pray for the breaking of that and a, a change of cycle and a change of life and a release into giving and a release into receiving and being blessed into your life. Could we stand together? So just, just take a brief moment in prayer to ponder those two questions. Is there something I'm not yet giving that the Lord would have me give? And is there something I'm not yet receiving that the Lord would have me receive? And I'd invite you now to, to just respond to the Lord in your hearts that if there's something you're not yet giving, something you're not yet receiving, to say, Lord... Jesus, I want to make you Lord of my resources. Maybe there are those here this morning who have never really made Jesus Lord of your resources. And this morning's the morning when you want to say, Lord, I want to start putting you first in my life and honoring you. And then there are those that are perhaps feeling challenged and called even to do things that you don't have the resources for, and there's a, there's a call on you, and an anointing of faith coming upon you. You know, what a blessing to hear Daniel, was it, sharing earlier on about how God has clearly blessed him and others with him in the, the faith for the vision that he and others have got, to see the resources released, and to step in and accomplish things for the kingdom of God in our lives. We, we, we need to be in that place of faith to be able to step out and, and to receive what God would give to us, resources from nowhere to be able to achieve things. And so, Lord, we just pray right now. I pray for those here who you're speaking to this morning about giving. And as they're just settling in their heart this morning, that they want to surrender to you, whether for the first time or afresh, and just live in that place of making you Lord of their resources and giving to you. Lord, as they settle that now, I pray for your blessing upon them, peace of mind, and your ongoing provision for them. And Lord, for those who you're talking to about receiving something, perhaps those who have been reluctant to receive and be blessed, perhaps those who are being called to some new step and new faith. Lord, I, I pray for the release of your provision into their lives in Jesus' name. Thank you that you are a good God. Lord, I pray for every individual and every family and every um, part of this church not represented here this morning. Lord, I pray for your abundant provision, pressed down, shaken together, and running over to, to be poured into this family of yours. Lord, we just pray against that spirit of poverty, that curse, that if there are those here who have been struggling endlessly with their resources, we pray this morning for the breaking of curses. We pray for the breaking of wrong uh, lifestyle cycles and an honouring of God, and putting him first. And I pray, Lord, just for a breaking of that spirit of poverty and destruction in the name of Jesus. Lord, that you would bring people into that place of your blessing in every part of their life. Father, thank you that you're a good God. Thank you for the joy of giving and the joy of receiving. 
And all God's people said, Amen. Why don't you turn to somebody and say it's a blessing to give and it's a blessing to receive. If you're into hugs, give them a hug or a handshake. I don't know if John wants to do anything else. Back to you, John. Thank you. A couple of important things that I want to say to you. First of all, Simon, thank you very much. Uh, interesting, isn't it? He didn't know because uh, we hadn't even decided then that we were going to do this appeal. He certainly didn't know that I was going to be speaking about our Christmas offering. Uh, so we just have to... He didn't know um, what we were hearing about last week. Yeah. Remember, Jeremy, speaking about generosity? He didn't know that a couple of weeks ago I was speaking to you about the sacrifice of the season. When things like that happen, you kind of begin to wonder, hmm, I feel, what's God, God's got a, an agenda here. There's something that God's taking us into. And that's why I feel, um, especially uh, for the children and parents, I want you to help them. You remember I said about when we do the offering, I want them to be giving. I don't care how much. It can be a penny. It, that doesn't matter. Uh, and the little message as well, uh, so that we engage the children in that. There's something I felt very strongly that we should do. If you've been visiting us today or here for the first time, it's really good to have you with us. Look forward to having an opportunity to greet in just a short time as we finish. And um, next week, Mark McGrath will be with us uh, next Sunday. And, of course, before that, what is Tuesday. Yeah, it's the first Tuesday, so we're going to come together. Very significant time, very important time. Let me urge all of you that possibly can be part of that, not to just be there, but to be there to join in praying, because we believe that's a powerhouse where we make a difference, where we set things into their right position and uh, bring things into order as we pray.